So often God hides himself. And uh, in the book of Habakkuk, there was a season, and Beck sang the song tonight, the middle song, and uh, it culminates in what she was singing about. But in chapter 2, Habakkuk is in Babylon and Israel's being oppressed in Babylon and the Babylonians were um, a cruel people that did really bad stuff. And Habakkuk was, like Adam was saying today, having a bit of a whinge to God and saying, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you doing something to help us? And, you know, we're often, we often find ourselves in that situation where we don't understand why it's gotten tight and it's difficult. And what I really think is God hides himself for a season because he wants to get from us that response. Pull me a little deeper. Take me a little closer. I want to know your heart. I want to, I want to know you. I just don't want to seek your hand, your actions, your power, your, your miracle dimension. God, I, I want that, but I also want to know who you are. And so Habakkuk, in chapter 3, verse 2, he prays this prayer, and he says, God, we've, we've heard of your fame, and we stand in awe of your deeds. Would you do it again in our time? And I, I'm a believer that every generation has to find again and sow again and lay down again the criteria for miracles. And we've been looking at what happens when the church prays. And tonight we're going to finish that, that series. And it's about when the church prays, when the church is on her knees, God brings a breakthrough. And I'm a believer that we all need breakthrough. And we're going to look at that tonight and, and how we've got a desperate need. But I just want to go straight in, Cam, if we can. Next, next one, this, this interesting and unusual verse, and I, I pulled it out of the Amplified version because it's, it's a little bit clearer in the Amplified. In some of the other versions, it seems kind of strange, but Isaiah says that the Lord will rise up as he did in Mount Perizim, and he will be stirred up as in the Valley of Gibeon. These are two instances in the Old Testament. And he will do his work, his unusual and his incredible work. How many of us need to see God do something unusual and incredible? Because the usual and the understandable is not cutting it. Amen? You know, if, if we could just fix it with what we can do ourselves, with what we can bring out of our brain, with what we could bring with our own hands, hey, we would have done it. Isn't that right? If we could fix it ourselves, we would have done it. It says, but God will rise up. And all through the, the Bible, there's this cry, Arise, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered. Arise, O God, and take your rightful place. Arise, O God. God, rise yourself up from the background and bring your power into the forefront of our lives. And this is what Isaiah is saying. He will rise up, do his unusual work, his incredible work, and accomplish his work his extraordinary work. And we've got to go back to Samuel chapter, to 2 Samuel chapter 5, chapter 5 and verse 2 to find out what happens, what he's talking about, what this Mount Perizim is about and Gibeon. 
And so David is at this place that later became known as Baal Perizim. It wasn't at the time when he was there. And there was a whole bunch of enemies, the Philistines, that he needed to defeat. And he said to God, God, can I, shall I go up and confront them? And God says, go up, for I'm with you. And so, so David went up to the, to the Philistines and he defeated them there. And this is what he said. He said, the Lord has broken through my, en- my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called that place Baal Perazim. And so we find out also in a, in a little bit further on, it talks about Gibeon and he went to Mount Gibeon, and he said, Lord, will I go up against them again? And God says, no, not this time. Go around the back and stand still. And when you hear the sound of marching on the top of the balsa trees, go up, for you know I've defeated them. And so this is what God is talking about. This is what Isaiah is saying, that God will rise up again, not just in the old stories, but in our time, to do his unusual work, his incredible work, dare I say, his miraculous work, just like at Baal Perizim. He wants to work a breakthrough in our life. We can say that breakthrough equals the miraculous. And Jesus said, you know, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. How many things? All things. Any, any exclusions? You know, in a contract, they, they put an asterisk and they say, you know, down in the fine print, this doesn't include da 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 You know, this doesn't include a fine day for people who are getting married next Saturday. That's excluded in the contract. See, I'm, I'm really hoping for rain next Saturday, just not where they're getting married. I, I asked if that's okay, can I pray that, that we'll get some rain like uh, I'm thinking maybe Hillsborough could do with a bit of rain and there's a few other places, but just not at Yarramalong Valley, if that's okay, Jesus. Amen. Do it again in our time. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or even imagine. And what do we say? We say, God, we've heard of your deed. We stand in awe of your fame. Do it again in our time. Do it again in our situation. Do it again in our circumstances. Pam said today, our our nation, our society, our culture is in a perilous time right now. And we desperately need God to come and do it again. And as as we get into this, you'll understand where I'm going. Breakthrough is the supernatural ability of God that supersedes the natural order of things. It's where God comes in and he breaks through and does something extraordinary, amazing, incredible, beyond the natural. And I know tonight that there's people here that need that. Because that's the human condition. You know, we, we, we all need it. And, and, and as, we, as we get into this, we're going to see why we've moved away from it and that. So let's, let's keep going. Let's move on. When do we need a breakthrough? We need a breakthrough when we're facing an impossible situation. Yeah? In the 10th century, there was a situation in Egypt. And we were, uh, if we can throw that picture up there, Cam, thanks. We, we went um, in 2010 to England to visit our son 
And on the way back, because we were flying Egypt Air and they were stopping at Cairo, we thought, might as well see a pyramid. May never get back this way. And uh, after we've been to Cairo, we pretty much don't want to go back there again because it's a cesspool. But we did see some nice... We did see some nice pyramids. But one of the things we did is we went to a place, a famous church called the Hanging Church of Cairo. And, uh, and what it was, was um, you've heard of Constantinople, right? Constantine, the, the emperor. He, uh, he got converted, but actually before he got converted at the end of his life, his wife actually got converted. And she was so passionate about making reparation for the, the way the church was uh, cruelly persecuted by uh, previous emperors, Roman emperors, that she went to all the major cities and said, build, I will build you a church, a new church, to say sorry anywhere you want it. And the, the head of the Coptic church in Egypt said, uh, I would like you to build the church on top of the Roman garrison in Egypt. And she said, okay. So the Roman garrison had 12 towers around the walls and across two of the towers they suspended a church and it's called the Hanging Church of Cairo and you go there and they've got a perspex floor and you can see the tower going down as generations have built up. But while we were there, we we heard this story and uh, in the 10th century there was a... um, a, a caliph, a, a Muslim caliph who was ruling in Cairo, and uh, his name was somebody Al Muiz or something like that, and and he was quite an enlightened guy. And what he used to do is he used to get the the Christian guys and the Jewish guys and the Muslim guys, all the leaders to come together, and they would have discussions about philosophy and religion and that sort of stuff. And there was a couple of Jewish guys that used to come, and they got really ticked with the head of the Coptic church, his name was Abraham of Syria because they could never counter his wisdom and his answers. And every time they'd come up with something, he'd come out with this wisdom and they'd go, and, you know, go away. And then they they found this way of trapping him. And it was, it was like Jesus. You know, when the, the scribes and Pharisees in the Bible, they, they'd come to Jesus thinking they had a trap. They'd lay a trap. You know, we caught this woman in adultery. What are you going to do about it, Jesus? And so what happened is the the caliph wanted to build a new garrison in in, um, Egypt. And right where he wanted to build it, there was a mountain in the way. And um, the, the Jewish guy said to him, you know, the Christians, in the Bible, uh, Pope Abram, doesn't it say that if you have faith like the grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and it will happen, yeah? And he said, yes, it, it will. And so they'd got privacy, privately with the caliph and said, you know, you could make this work for you. And so he said, yeah, yeah, it does say that. Yeah, yeah, come on. I want to move the mountain. I'll give you four alternatives. You can move the mountain. You can... Deny your faith, you can leave the country, or we will kill you. Now, none of those four alternatives were particularly palatable to Abram and the church, you know, because, like, you know, 
I mean, move the mountain. We know, we know it's philosophical. We know he's not talking about a real mountain. He was talking about, you know, mountains in our life, surely. And uh, the guy said, no, no, no. You move the mountain or you're dead. That's an impossible situation right there, folks. And so he called the church together and they began to pray. And in this time, he had a vision. God showed him that he would meet a man in the market named Simon the Tanner. And he'd have one eye. That's how you'd know this is the right guy. You'll see him. He's got one eye and he's carrying a bundle of leather. So he went down the market. Sure enough, the guy's there. He said, call the church together and we're going to meet at this particular time in the afternoon. And we're going to stand and we're going to worship and pray. And this is a picture that they've, they've taken. And this is in the hanging church. It's carved in stone on the wall. And you can see they went and they prayed and it was in the afternoon, obviously. The sun had gone behind the mountain. And as they prayed, the earth, the uh, God hit the mountain with three earthquakes. And every time the earthquake hit, the mountain jumped in the air and the sun shone through between the ground and the mountain where it, where it jumped. And every time it jumped, it moved back and then moved back and then move back. God will rise up and he'll do his unusual work. Unusual, yeah? That didn't happen last week, I can tell, just by looking at your faces. So an impossible situation. The second thing that we may be facing is an overwhelming enemy. Jehoshaphat was uh, the king in Israel and in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he found out that all these guys were coming to kill him. There were the Moabites and the Ammonites and I think some people from some of the place starting with E, I can't remember what it's called, might be the Elamites. But anyway, it says in some of the more passive translations, he was quite concerned. But in the Hebrew it says he was alarmed, in fact he was terrified. And he called the church together and began to pray. And God gave him a strategy and broke through miraculously. They, they basically went out and sang. That was a day not to be one of the singers. Because he said, God's given me this strategy. We're going to go out to battle. And all of those that sing and play music are going to go in front. No, no, you can't take your sword because you will be banging a drum. Yeah, it sounds great when we talk about it in the Bible. It's a whole different thing when you're walking down into the valley with a drum, going, great is the Lord, hallelujah. But it says that as they began to lift their voice, God said ambushes against them. And the Ammonites turned on the other guys and they all began to fight one another and confusion came and they just killed each other. And it said that the Israelites just went in and picked up all the plunder and there was so much stuff, animals and food and weapons, it took them three days to collect it all. An overwhelming enemy. But God did his amazing work, his ridiculously crazy work. Sometimes it's because we're between a rock and a hard place. Who's ever been there? You, you, you can't go back to where you've been, but you don't know how to go forward. And uh, in the Old Testament, when... Israel were leaving Egypt. They were coming towards the promised land that God had called them to and they came up to the Red Sea. You know, it's not 
it's not like it is today. You know, if there was a problem, if there was the army, you'd just get the engineering guys and they'd come and they'd build you a bridge and you'd walk across the the river and you'd go in and it'd all be good. Or they'd have some amphibious vehicle. You know, a chariot is not an amphibious vehicle, just so you know. So here these guys are, they're, they're up against the river and they hear a noise and they turn around and on the far hill they can see a dust cloud. Yeah, it could be anything. But then as they look at, at, at it's coming closer, it was horses and chariots and Egyptians with a very unkind look on their faces. And so they couldn't go forward because there's a river. They couldn't go back because there's Egyptians. And they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. And God rose up and he did his unusual work. He literally opened the river. In fact, what it says is, to the east there came a wind, it blew, and on the western side of the sea it basically stood up like a wall And the rest just flowed out to the ocean. And here's this, let's walk across, you know. We're walking across the river and just here is, you know, fish. (laughs) Hi, hi fish. You know, sort of sharks, hello. God does his unusual work. You know, there's times when a natural solution is not enough. Yeah? Because if it was, we would have done it. But we find ourselves in these situations. God, we've heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Would you come and do it again in our time? Would you come and break through for us? We've, we've heard about all these other guys. God, now, in our time, for our situation, for our, we want, who, who wants their breakthrough? Yeah? Yeah, let's let's have a look. What do what do we? How do we get a breakthrough? Well, the first thing, and and, and I want to spend just a little bit of time on this. It's really important. I don't want to move past this quickly. We have to understand that we're born for breakthrough. It's what you and I have been born for. When Jesus came, he came and he established his church. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he did. You know, and in Matthew chapter sixteen and verse eighteen. He had this encounter with Peter and, you know, you know the story. He says, you know, who do men say that I am? And the disciples said, you know, some say that you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets, you know. And Jesus said, guys, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes on to say, you're blessed, Simon, Peter. Your name's Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Petros means little pebble. He says, but on this rock, the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I'm going to build my church and this is what it's going to look like. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, we come up against a couple of different kinds of gates, don't we, in our life. We come up against gates that bind and gates that hinder. You know, 
God wants to deal with both kinds. There's some of us tonight who's who, who the, the powerful part of our life, the, the, the personality who we really are, are bound up behind gates and walls. And every time we want to break through and really be something in God, it's like we hit up against this gate. And God says, that gate of hell will not prevail against my church. I want to break it. Or we maybe want to go and bring something into somebody's life. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a, a relative who we want to see come to know Christ. But it's like there's a gate and we can't break through it. It's like hindering us from going forward. Jesus said, I will build my church on a rock that I'm, I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there's no gate that's going to be able to hinder you from doing what I want you to do. You know, there's internal gates and external gates. And, and you know, this is what happens. <clears throat> I, I was um, not born, I was born on the North Shore of Sydney. But I was really young and I didn't kind of know, you know. So I didn't, I wasn't able to get all hoity-toity about it because I was too little. But because of a set of circumstances, my, my dad had been bankrupt at one stage and so we uh, were pretty broke and um, the other problem that we had was that uh, uh, there were six kids and, uh, you know, if, if you're broke and you've got six kids, you need a serious breakthrough, yeah? Because, you know, you just can't afford to feed them. You know, we, we, our motto growing up was, are you going to eat that? You know... <laughs> And came to visit, came to dinner the first thing. My, my young brother said, are you going to eat that? You know, okay. No. And uh, we, we moved out to the western suburbs of Sydney in this pretty rough area where there was a lot of social problems. And, and growing up in that area, you grew up with one thing in your mind. When I can get out of this place, I'm getting out and I'm never coming back. You know, I'm going to go to some cool place, some nice place, some cruisy place. I'm going to go where there's trees and, uh, you know, nice houses and stuff. And I think sometimes we're like that as Christians. We, God comes and he finds us and he delivers us from the gates of hell. And little by little we move further back, you know, because we're looking for it to get a bit easier. You know, we're sick of coming up against these gates of hell, you know. We're sick of living between a rock and a hard place. So we keep moving back further and further away where it's comfortable, where it's nice, where there's trees. And, and I think that we stop living on the edge. You know what I mean? We stop living on the edge externally where we're really confronting circumstances and situations that need breakthrough. But we also stop living on the edge internally where we step back from the conflict. Devil, I'm going to let you have that space. Just leave me alone and I'm going to stay over here, you know. Uh, man, you, know, you really explode every time things don't go your way. Well, I don't have a temper. It's just the way I am. I, we're just going to leave that alone. We're going to just move back from that edge. We're going to stay away from that gate and we're not going to cause a problem. No, no, no. We've been born for the problem. We've been born for conflict. It's what Jesus saved us for, to be hitting up against gates all of our life for victories, yeah? 
for breakthroughs. It's what we were born for. The second thing we see is that when we want to break through, the, the important thing is to raise a standard and rally to it. Uh, I don't, how many um, Lord of the Rings aficionados have we got here? Any, any? Any? Do you remember the scene? I think it's in the third one. And, and they're running across the, the stone bridge and the big demonic creatures chasing them. Is that the first one, is it? Okay, there you go. I didn't think it got so intense until the end. Anyway, Gandalf stands up in the middle of it and he gets his uh, staff and he drives it into the ground and says, you shall not pass. And it's become a bit of a meme, you know, that goes around. You know, sometimes God wants us to establish a standard. Uh, In... uh, Isaiah 59 verse 19, it says, They shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And that standard is the word of God. That standard is, you know, this is what God says about a circumstance. If we want to bring it into the New Testament, that standard is the cross. And in the, in the Old Testament, when they had a battle, what they would do is they would, they would have kind of flags and that's what became known as the standard. So when you're in the battle, what you would do is you'd raise the standard, you'd drive the, 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 the flagpole into the ground and hold it and there'd be this banner that represented who, who you were and the troops would rally to it and they, they'd form a defensive strategy around the flag and they'd begin to move out from that and it just was a way of avoiding the chaos and establishing a pattern of victory. And so this is what we need to do. We need, this, is what, this is the role of, of leadership is to drive the standard. This is what we do on a Sunday when we stand up and we bring the word. We're endeavouring to lay a standard that we can rally to and say, yes, this is what God says about it. We're going to rally to that point and stand and defend it and begin to move outward from it based on that standard. When the, when the enemy comes in, a really interesting uh, word, it's, uh, it's not always translated enemy, but that's what the word means. It means an enemy, an adversary. When he comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And God calls his church to rally to that standard. Then thirdly, to build pressure through prayer. And I think this is one of the areas where we sometimes, this is is why we get these dips in circumstances. You know, currently we're seeing a battle in our society, and I, I don't mean literally a physical battle, although there's been a little bit of that on the news lately and different things happening, but <clears throat> there's, there's things that are happening that are, that are contrary to the word of God. And what's happened is there's been a, there's been a dip in the, in the prayer and the standard, and so certain things have come in and become established that, that we may not agree with, yeah, in, in society. And it doesn't just have to be like a same-sex marriage thing. It could be all kinds of different things that happen in our society that we're not happy about. 
Would you say it's true? You know, this. you shared it this morning. How many, how many murders and rapes, how many kids are being abused on a daily basis? You know, and, uh, and God says, I want to position my church at that gate and start to build pressure against it and build pressure against it. And see that thing, because what happens is as the church builds pressure against a social issue, the, the mindset begins to change amongst the population. And this happened in, in many times over the years, but probably the, the most prominent one we can think of is slavery. You know, it was commonplace. In the, in the 17th, 18th century, it was commonplace. But somebody said, I'm going to drive a standard into the ground, you shall not pass. This is what God says about this. And uh, William Wilberforce was that man. I, I think I shared this scripture a couple of weeks ago, First Chronicles 16 and verse 9. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the earth looking for someone through whom he can show himself strong. What he's saying is, I want to find someone who will take a standard, drive it into the ground and say, you will not pass that the church might rally to it and begin to build pressure through prayer and start to drive that gate back until it's smashed. And I believe we can do that. God, we've heard of your fame. We, we stand in awe of your awesome deeds. We've, we've read about you doing this stuff in the past. Would you do it again in our time? Amen? And then lastly, persist till the breakthrough comes. You know, sometimes it's easy to get weary and well-doing. And, uh, and you know, we, we start to move back from the gate because it's, it's, it's begun, gotten hard. But God says, no, 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 keep going. Persist. James says, <clears throat> uh, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And in this story... Um, I think Jess might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It was another one of those moments when she started reading a Bible verse that I knew I was going to be preaching on in two weeks and went, please. Anyway, there's only, you know, there's only so many verses in the Bible, yeah? I mean, we just got to, sh- it'll happen. And so in this story, he, he noticed that it pleased the Jews when he killed He put James to the sword, John's brother, and he arrested Peter. And it said the church began to pray. And they began to to, to gather together and pray. And it said they kept praying, they kept praying, they kept praying. And then Peter was let out of jail. Read it yourself. We haven't got time to read it tonight. But it's amazing. And it says, one one of the things it says, as they walked towards the gate, the gate opened by itself. See, prayer positioned the gate to open. You know, as the Jews positioned themselves around Jericho, the Bible said that Joshua said, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, move straight forward. You know, 20 feet high walls, move straight forward. They began to move forward before anything happened. But as they were moving forward, the walls fell down by themselves and they went straight over the top of the wall 
and they took the city. You know, if we will realise that we have been born for this, this is what we exist for. God says, I, I, I'm going to build my church and this is what's it about, what it's about. Pressing against gates, external gates, internal gates. Not allowing the enemy to have situations where we're hindered or we're bound up, but we're pressuring those gates. We're prepared to say, no, this shouldn't be. This, this should not be. God's people should not be bound up. God's sons and daughters should not be hindered with all kinds of addictions and different kinds of things that are destroying lives. No, we the church are going to drive a standard into the ground and we're going to rally to this and say, no, no. And we're going to begin to build pressure through prayer. Maybe just in your homes. Hey, we don't have to wait for two weeks till prayer meetings crank up again. We could probably... You know, we could probably just do it ourselves at home. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for those incredible guys that do along who are fighting a battle at the moment. God, we, we're going to stand with them and we're going to say, no, no. We, we, we're going to see this war come down, yeah? We can do that and, and build pressure through prayer and persist until breakthrough comes. I'd like to, if the musicians would come back, Beck, if you can sing that, that uh, second song about do it again in our time. You know, I, you don't have to be a prophet to realise people need breakthrough. It's the human condition. Some of us are, are fighting sickness breakthroughs that we need right at the moment. Some of us are fighting addiction breakthroughs. Some of us have family situations where we need a breakthrough. Others have, have employment situations where we need a breakthrough. Some need a weather breakthrough. Some we need another kind of weather breakthrough. But we all have these things that we need from God. And, and tonight, if you need a breakthrough in your life, I'd like you to come and just stand here at the front. Yeah, we're going to sing this song and we're going to pray for a bit. But tonight, if you need a breakthrough, put some faith to your desire. Get up out of your chair and quickly come down here. Let's stand together so it makes it a bit easier.